again, Father, thank you for the reminder that you love us. That in spite of the things that that we overlook in life or the things that we do intentionally, you continually love us and forgive us and desire for us the best in life. And that is the hope of eternity. Lord, I pray that we would continue to pursue that, that we'd be reminded of it from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been uh, walking through a series entitled Letters to the Church, and its real outcome is that we would understand more clearly what it means to be the church. That we would not buy into what culture tells us about a church, that, that we are a member and that we just show up and we maybe pay our dues and, and we're a badge-wearing kind of family. It's not what church is biblically. Church is a real family. That you get in to things together. That you bear one another's burdens. That you, that you work alongside of one another. That you help other people understand what it means to love Jesus by the way you do. The entire series is predicated on the, the idea that, that we would be better believers at the end. That we would understand more clearly our role. And that we would role play that throughout life. That we would take that role on and, and make it our own <clears throat> inside of our families, inside of our homes, inside of the schools, all that. <clears throat> the idea is that we would take what the Bible says and we would stand on that. That we would start there. That we wouldn't take a cultural influence or our experience in church and make the Bible fit it. But that we would read the Bible together, that we would study it, that we would understand who Jesus is in reality and then apply that to everything else. That was the intention. The Old Testament we started with and we're going to kind of wrap up with some of those things today. They had the law. And they immersed themselves in the law. They became about the law. And as they became about the law, they kind of lost God in the process. Because it became about them keeping the law. And what they could do to attain righteousness. And because of that, God changed the way He does things. And he introduced a new way of life. Something that he wasn't surprised by. He knew our nature. He understood. All along, the law was geared to direct our hearts back to God. And that's what Jesus' role is as well. To reconcile our relationship to the Creator of the universe. That Jesus had the opportunity to come live His life here before men, die and then be risen again that we'll celebrate next week, literally change the course of human history. 
so that we might be reconciled back to God, that we would have that kind of relationship with Him, that He fulfilled it, that He lived out the entire law in and of itself. And the church is supposed to, to replicate how Jesus lived. We're supposed to, as the, as the New Testament tells us, grow up into Him who is our head. If He's the one leading the group, then we're supposed to be following Him in the direction that He's going. We can't do that outside of the Bible. We have to start there. We have to understand it and know it and embrace it. Be thankful for what God has done on our behalf and find out what we're really supposed to be doing. And that's really what today is about. If you looked it up on version and you saw the title is Unleashed, the idea that that the church would be unleashed to do that which it's been designed and created to do. That we would utilize our gifts to impact people personally, intimately, the people we care about. It seems a bit odd, but, but the illustration that Francis Chan used, I have to use. Because it struck me so strongly. He used the movie Madagascar. How many have seen that movie? Right? Pretty funny movie. And the whole premise is that, for those who haven't seen it, and those that haven't seen it in a while, and those that slept through it, while you're watching it with your kids, <laughs> see nodded. The premise is it starts in a zoo. And the animals are in the zoo and, and they are entertaining the public like zoo animals do, right? And they take it, of course, to the, to the ultimate degree where the, the entertainers are doing their thing inside of their enclosures and they're being pampered and they're being fed and they're being taken care of and, and they're having a very comfortable life. They're enjoying their existence. Much like some of you would be doing right now because the Masters is on this morning. Right? You find yourself in that nice, comfortable enclosure that you call a man cave. But something inside of you thinks, I'd rather be playing than just watching. Right? If you're honest. And that's what these animals come to, a realization that maybe they were called to something more than just being in this enclosure, being pampered and being comfortable. And so this zebra starts to have visions of going back to Africa. And they hatch a plan and they escape the zoo and they end up back in Africa as zoo animals and they realize they are utterly unequipped to be there. Because they've never been anywhere except that nice, comfortable, well-fed, climate-controlled enclosure. Sounds like church. And when you leave this morning, you're going to go into the real world. Just like they did. And they started to realize that They each had a role inside of that system. And so, 
two of them realize they're supposed to be at odds because one of them's a lion and one of them's a zebra. And they're buddies. But now all of a sudden, inside of their natural environment, they realize, wait a minute, this isn't what I was designed. I was designed to eat you. And so they use this, and it's, it's a funny illustration. But the whole point of it is, if we stay in our nice, comfortable, well-fed, climate-controlled environments all the time, you will never experience what you were created to do. You will never reach the capacity that God placed inside of you. It can't happen. Because it wasn't designed to happen right here on a Sunday morning. This isn't it. This is part of it, but it's not it. There's six other days in this week that we get to be a part of Jesus' mission. As we sit here on Palm Sunday, and we think about Jesus entering Jerusalem today, being recognized as a king, right? As, as a revolutionary, throwing palm fronds on the ground, and they're welcoming Him into the city, right? They had long awaited a king to continue their comfort. Right? That's really what it was about. They wanted Jesus to come and kick out these Romans and restore us to our naturally comfortable state. We know Jesus didn't do that. We know that as He came in, He was arrested. And both groups were disappointed. If you're following along in Luke chapter 23 is where we're going to start. Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 5. The whole company, the Roman legion, that group that arrested Jesus, arose. They brought Him before Pilate. And they began to accuse Him, saying, We have found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that He Himself is Christ, a King. And Pilate asked Him, Are you the King of the Jews? And Jesus answers, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, and even to this place. So they're standing in front of the authorities, trying to have their problems solved by another means, because they really just want Him to stop messing with their people. Just stop stirring them up. Stop giving them ideas of their own. We kind of like it when they listen to us. When they feel happy and fat and comfortable. When they're sitting at home in their well-fed, 
climate-controlled enclosures. Maybe not in the first century. But isn't that what they were really looking for? And the Romans didn't want to get involved either. They didn't want a king to rise up out of this people that they were procurator over, that they were trying to just manage. They were in a strategic position militarily as a buffer between one nation of people and another, and they needed those Jews as a cushion to keep those other folks at bay. They didn't need them to be their own country. They just needed them to be protection for their own country. That's why they still existed in the state that they did. And so you have these two groups meeting over what to do with Jesus. And both of them are just saying, we just want to go back to the way it was. Can't we just all get along? Can't we just go back to the way it was when we were all comfortable with everybody living here? Neither one of them were happy with the way the story unfolded. Everyone would have been more comfortable without Him. Right? Everyone in the story would have been more comfortable without Jesus. They're followers. The followers of Jesus, right? If Jesus had come and done what they wanted and been a king, they'd have had their nice, cozy little kingdom back. If He had never existed, they'd have just gone on doing what they were doing. The adversaries, those who were against Israel and, and trying to keep them under their thumb, they just wanted to maintain their power, their, their comfort level, their control. Whether you're talking about those rulers inside of the Jewish nation or the Romans, they all just wanted Jesus to go away. When He died... It ruined the dreams of the Jews, right? Because now their kingdom aspirations were gone. So He upset them. When He rose again, He upset everybody else. Right? That's how I know when I leave a situation where my two kids are fighting, that I've done the right thing. When neither one of them are happy. Right? Because usually the truth's somewhere in the middle. And if one of them's happy, that means I got on their side a little too much. In this instance, Jesus didn't make anybody happy. He didn't go away. <laughs> but He didn't conquer the Romans either. So now, thousands of years later, we still have to deal with Him. A man that changed human history. And you personally have to decide. That's part of what being a church is. Where do you individually put Jesus? 
it matters inside of this body what you do with him. In Hebrews chapter 10 is a good unpacking of what Jesus did accomplish on our behalf as we bring it to the current place we are. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, remember, Jesus was the Lamb of God and satisfied all the sacrificial system, allowing now us to have a relationship with God. We are no longer separated from Him. There was a literal curtain that separated the most holy place in the temple that no longer existed now for the Jews and allowed all of the Gentiles to be brought into those places as well. In verse 20, By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest or a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Verses 19-21. to He's answering the law. He's taking care of the system that existed. He's, he's allowing Himself to be placed in a position of the priest. That He is the one now that will intercede on our behalf. That we can have a relationship with Him and we can believe that what He has done is forever right and good and true. And He welcomes us back into God's family, into those most holy of places. In verses 22 and 23, this is what we now live in, right? There's salvation and faith. Eternity is now secure. That as we step into those places and we understand who Jesus is, we get to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith that we are drawn into Him. That our hearts would be sprinkled clean from our evil consciences and our bodies would be washed pure, that our sins are forgiven. That we have that restored relationship that now we understand even more from Jesus what we're supposed to be living like how we are supposed to do what it is that, that He did. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. The idea that we get to stand together, that we hold fast, that we stand strong together, unwavering in, in our hope of the future. That it's not what happens to us here that matters. But the fact that eternity is secure gets us through 
what happens here. We hold unwaveringly to a hope that we haven't quite accomplished yet, that that we haven't seen, that we hope for. And as we hold together unwaveringly to that hope, we understand what it is to have eternity firmly in the grasp of somebody who is faithful. That He who promised is faithful. It doesn't say depending on how faithful you are, right? It says the one who promised is faithful. It's based upon God's faithfulness, not ours. And that should be an assurance of faith, right? That that He went through all of human history and every account finds Him faithful. They are continuing to find reason upon reason upon reason to believe that the God of the Bible is the Creator of the universe. That Jesus, His Son, came and died and created a way for us to have a relationship with Him. No matter how you interpret your world, whether you are logically minded, there is evidence that you could never read through in a lifetime. From all corners of the world. If you emotionally engage with your world, then you understand the story. And you read the story of the Bible and you cannot help but be moved by someone laying down their life for you. He covered it all for us. The church. His body. His bride. If you remember Ephesians 5, it says here that our bodies are washed pure with water, that our hearts be sprinkled clean and In Ephesians 5, when you talk about the bride of Christ, one of the goals of Christ was to return His church to Himself without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish. Right? That He, as the bridegroom, would do that for us. His bride. Our comfort is found in the fact that He is faithful. Right? That's what should make us the most comfortable. That it doesn't rely upon us. Because what is the easiest thing to disrupt your comfort? When something's outside of your control, right? When you feel like I've got enough money, when I've got enough time, when I've got enough resources, I'm pretty comfortable. Anytime I can't meet those things, I get uncomfortable. Well, let me tell you, at some point in your life, it's all going to go away. That's just the reality. Your comfort needs to be found in the one who is faithful. (laughs) The one that, that hasn't secured your blessings and things here, He will protect you and provide for you, yes. 
as he thinks you need. What he has secured is eternity. And that's something we can't even get our minds around. But he who promised is faithful. And if you are a believer already, then you need to be on His mission, making disciples, reconciling them to God, and bringing them into a spiritual community to help them to grow up together. If you're not a believer, then you've got to figure out why you're here this morning. <laughs> and what are you going to do with Jesus? Because it does matter. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 are specifically to the group that's gathered here even to me. And I, as I read this this week, I thought, man, this is something I've never thought about. But in verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He encourages us to meet together, right? Not to, not to get further and further apart because as you go back to that movie, right? And you think about the animal kingdom, Satan is a roaring lion. That's what he's called in the Scriptures at times. And He will consume you. He desires to eat you. <laughs> and the easiest way to do that is to make sure that you're separated from the group when He does it. So don't stop meeting together with other believers. That's for your benefit. That's for your protection. That's part of the goal. But the piece that that I read for the first time that I was kind of shocked as I never thought about it before is that we're supposed to meet together to stir each other up. The very accusation that they threw at Jesus, right? He's stirring up the people. We need Him gone. Stop letting them have their own ideas. Stop telling them to get out there and do what the Bible says. <laughs> Just tell them to be comfortable. Just to relax. That's what we get to do, is to be here together to do exactly what Jesus was doing. To stir each other up. <laughs> Not in just an emotional frenzy, but one that, that has significance to our world. To encourage one another to get our hands dirty in people's lives, to spend time ministering to folks that have lost their homes just this week here in Johnstown, to continue to do the things that are of benefit to our world that also tell them that Jesus loves them. That we have been stirred up because of Him. That we continue to stir one another up on behalf of Him. That that's what we get to do. 
Oh, that the church would be unleashed, right? That we would take ourselves off the tether (laughs) and stop thinking about how comfortable we have it at home, (laughs) well-fed, climate-controlled, comfortable spot. That we would allow God to use us in our discomfort sometimes. We all know deep in our hearts that it's not comfortable to deny yourself something on behalf of somebody else. But that's what we're called to do. To deny yourself some of the things, some of the comforts, some of the things of this world. To say, you know what? They are great, but they're not the most valuable thing. That God would shake us up a little bit. He would stir us up to think about how we can use the things He's given us for someone else. It's not going to be comfortable. But it's what we are called to do. And I hope that you have the the restless sleep that the zebra had. That you go home and you can't think of anything but this guy up front that looks like a lion with a mane and he's telling me to get uncomfortable. To think about what have I been called to do. To think about what it would look like to to venture out into the world where sometimes I feel a little scared. Where I'm uncomfortable talking to people I don't know. I'll throw you a softball. Next week, we're having a big service at Johnstown High, right? Just talk to some of your friends. Have them come meet some of your family. That's it. Doesn't sound like much until you're staring that person face to face, huh? And you're fumbling around for words. So we even fixed some of that. There's postcards back there. You just hand it to them. I just want you to have this. <laughs> the idea is that if we actually were able to do that which we've been called to do, the world would be a radically different place. It's never going to be perfect. We know that because that's what eternity's for. And no, we're not going to be more comfortable. That's not the goal, okay? The goal is that we are so committed to eternity that we embrace the fact that I know eternity is secure because I know the one that's really faithful. And I can live like it every day. And I can trust Him for provision and protection, for unity in our church, for people to come to know Jesus and have their eternity be secure as well.
That's what it's really all about. So I want to challenge you this week to think along those terms. That if I have you feeling a little uncomfortable this morning, that's probably good. <laughs> that's okay. We're probably right where we're supposed to be. Take some time this week. I would encourage you to read through some of the biblical narrative of the week of Jesus' death. To look at it through a fresh lens. And to realize He did all of that to secure our eternity. Not to make me comfortable here, but to give me hope that comfort is coming. That He denied Himself of everything this earth could offer Him on my behalf. And that's what I get to do is to help other people understand what Jesus has done for me and how I view that. Take time this week and make it part of your story. You won't be sorry you did. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the opportunity to, to be here this morning. Lord, I pray that You would continue to use us in every area that we venture. That You would give us the boldness to share what it is that You have done in our lives. Lord, that we might even just Show kindness more often as a result of knowing You and trusting that our eternity is more secure, that, that we would be more patient with people, whatever that looks like, this, that we would love other people better. That we wouldn't worry so much about our comfort as the comfort of other people in eternity. Father, thank You that, that You have engaged us in this process, that we get to do this, that we get to be your hands and your feet, and I pray that we would continue to grow up. Lord, thank You for that. Thanks for Your patience and Your love for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.